Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. This is the Detroit City Cast with Dan Leach, presented by Bet Rivers. And welcome in, fine citizens. Happy Manning Monday. What a freaking weekend. Every single divisional game ends on a walk-off on the final play. And last night, we knew, as, as I talked about all last week, that Bills and Chiefs was going to be the best game. But did we know it was going to be one of the greatest playoff games ever? It went from, okay... Is this one of the best divisional games we've ever seen? To is this one of the best playoff games we've ever seen? To is this one of the best games that's ever happened before? And it just kept getting crazier and crazier. And we're going to have fun with this in a little bit. I have picked the five best playoff games of all time. Now listen, I'm 44, so I've been alive for tons of things going back to the you know 60s, early 70s. But I've been alive for a lot, and I've been able to watch a lot of the games before my time. So there's one that made the list that was a little before my time, but I was alive, just not, you know, an old Squatch whiz. Uh, But we're going to do the top five best playoff games of all time. We'll get to that. And boy, the Buffalo Bills, they make the list twice, but for all the wrong reasons. There's your little tease for that coming up in just a bit. Uh, I got to talk about the overtime rules in football in a second, but I do want to get to the Motown betting window brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. And before we get into the NFL lines for the AFC and NFC title games, which by the way, I'll be out in Vegas. Uh, we'll get some live action for you from Vegas and give you the the sights and sounds and the feels from Vegas for championship weekend. Uh, I'll also be out there for the Super Bowl as well. So we're gonna have a lot of fun doing some live shows uh, on remote out there and giving you all the flavor from Viva Las Vegas. Um, but before uh, we do that, I just want to go and let you know again that we love you listening and, and sharing the show, and I love giving you winners. And if you follow my picks throughout the last two weeks, the one thing I did tell you before the playoffs started was to make some uh, plays on the Bills to win the Super Bowl. That obviously didn't come through, but I am 9-2 for you against the spread, and I gave you that big tease with the Bills and the Chiefs, or excuse me, the Bills and the Rams on Sunday, so, 9-2, yes, the stupid Cowboys wrecked us. And then the Packers wrecked us, too, uh, in another great scenario that I thought was going to come through when teasing them down to, to plus a half or taking them on the money line. And they should have won that game, but, you know, hats off to San Francisco. But overall, though, 9-2 and two in the postseason, and I don't want to lose again. Let's, you know, get it done over the next couple of weeks. Well, three weeks now. Uh, I don't. I don't think I'll have an official selection on the Pro Bowl. I might throw. I mean, I'll throw some of those stuff out there for you guys. But Pro Bowl is not really a great game to bet on. 
Uh, we've had a lot of fun with this so far uh, on the CityCast, and we'll continue giving you winners. we got my Australia Open play of the day coming up later as well. Big win for Michigan on Sunday against Indiana. It's a couple in a row for the Wolverines, so maybe they can get their, their act together over this last month or so before uh, the conference tournament and get into the NCAA tournament. They need a bunch more wins to do that. Uh, the Red Wings playing some good hockey. Pistons playing better basketball. So, you know, football about to end, but there will be some excitement here in Motown with the local teams, you know, as the Pistons try to continue to get through this rebuild and, and get Cade Cunningham more minutes. The Wings try to make the playoffs. And, of course, Michigan and Michigan State trying. Well, Michigan State will be in the NCAA basketball tournament. The Wolverines trying to make it and go on some runs uh, deep in the tournament. So we'll have a lot of fun with that as well. And right around the corner... Tigers baseball will have a lot of discussion about their win totals and some uh, full season bets with them as well. Uh, so always great stuff to dive into here on the Detroit CityCast brought to you by our great friends at Bat Rivers. And of course, they uh, sponsor the Motown betting window as well. And I want to take a look at the futures odds first. Of course, just four teams left now. The favorites, obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs. Second favorite, Matt Stafford and the Rams. I got a comment about Stafford and his haters coming up in a bit too. The Niners, four and a half to one. And the Bengals, eight to one, uh, the longest shot right now. And we talked about this going back a couple of weeks and then into this week's games where I told you I didn't like San Francisco to win the Super Bowl because I just don't see it happening. But that I was a Bills guy. I thought that there was still great value on the Bills at five to one. But I mentioned if, if San Fran somehow had got past Green Bay. They could win the whole thing, and you got them at anywhere between 12 to 15 to 1 before, of course, now. Now they're 4.5 to 1. Now, I'm not on the San Fran train. I still feel really good about the Rams at home, you know, playing them for the second time in a few weeks, divisional opponent, all the different things that, that we'll get into about that game, the NFC title game. Um, but yeah, the, the Niners, the Sharps were all over the Niners last week when we talked about it on the show. And if they get by the Rams, can they beat the Chiefs or the Bengals? Of course. But that, that value is obviously out the window, getting them at 15-1 to 1 or so, or even down to 12-1. to 1. Uh, But now if you're uh, someone that thinks the Niners are going to go on a little run here, 4.5-1 to 1 is not horrid. It's not, obviously, the Chiefs basically even money, or the Rams, two, you know, 2.1-1. to 1. Uh, So if you're looking at, at, at between the Bengals and the, the Niners, I mean, obviously... You got the best value on those two teams. There's a reason because they're both going on the road. And Cincinnati's got a guy that's never, you know, played in the playoffs until this year with Joe Burrow. I and mean, Jimmy G's got a little more experience, uh, especially overall in the league as well. And being out in San Francisco for a while. So that's uh, the up to the second look at the futures odds. And, you know, I'd love, I would love to say throw some cash on Cincy. I love Joe Burrow. I, I said that they had a really great chance of winning that game against Tennessee. I told you to take a plus the three and a half and on the money line. And they got the job done and looked beautiful doing it. And yeah, there were some weird things in, the, in that game that happened that maybe, you know, gave Cincy a little bit of uh, more of an advantage than they should have had. But the Bengals are playing great football. And eight to one is eight to one. So I'm, I'm probably going to throw a little small play on the Bengals because you know, if they win next week, those odds are obviously going to get cut way down to probably two and a half to one or three to one based on who they play uh, in the in the Super Bowl in LA. Uh, but the the Bengals, all four of these teams can win it all. It's not like the Chiefs are easily the favorites. I mean, they are the favorites, but all four of these teams 
and that's the way it should be. It's not like you have one team that somehow crazily got there and really has very little chance not just to win their title game, but to go to the Super Bowl and win that. All four of these teams have a real shot because, the, first off, you've got the top two seeds losing on the same day in the divisional round, Green Bay and Tennessee, that happened on Saturday. you got four seeds and six seeds and two seeds and four seeds. I mean, just unbelievable how this thing has gone in, in 2020 and now the playoff games being played in 2022. And let's take a look at the games themselves. And there has been some action uh, since these lines came out. There were look-ahead lines, but, you know, released, of course, when the games were officially set. We'll start with the 3 o'clock game, the AFC title game, the Bengals and Chiefs. This was 6.5 for the Chiefs. Bet Rivers now up to 7. You're seeing some action on Kansas City. That's a lot of points. Yes, the young Bengals team, that's a lot of points, though, in an AFC title game. Uh, we'll get to all the different numbers when it comes to what's happened with certain amounts of spreads over the last several years uh, when it comes to title games throughout the week here. But just at, at the quick glance, getting a full touchdown with Cincy, I mean, that's a pretty solid affair. I think the Chiefs are going to probably win this game, but it's going to be, I think, a one-possession game. Like I said, all three, four games will be last week, and I was right about that. So you got the Chiefs minus 7, minus 112 right now. At Bet Rivers, the Bengals plus 7, minus 109. Moneyline Chiefs minus 315. Bengals on the comeback, plus 265. And the total right where it was with the Chiefs and the Bills, 54.5. Both over under are minus 110, so we'll watch the movement on that. I'm thinking that that total is probably going to go up a little bit. Uh, looking ahead at the weather factors in Kansas City, nothing crazy, at least looking at it right now for next Sunday, as far as like some kind of snowstorm coming in or massive winds. This this could be like it was yesterday in the 70s, that almost 80s. Uh, this could be a, a very, very high-scoring game. Because defense was definitely optional uh, in the AFC Divisional game with the Bills and the Chiefs yesterday. And then the nightcap, 6.30, Niners and Rams, two division mates getting going again for the second time. Just a few weeks. The Rams, minus 3, minus 118 at Bat Rivers right now. The Niners, plus 3, minus 104. Rams, money line, minus 175. Niners, plus 150. And the total, 8 points lower than the AFC title game. 46.5, the over, minus 109. And the under, minus 112. We have seen a little action on the under in that game. And as far as the Rams go, I mean, you're seeing, this is, the, this is where the spread should be. Basically, it's a pick'em game. Rams are getting a few points for being at home. This is a pick'em. These teams know each other very well. You're, you've seen a little money on the Rams come in uh, on the public side. The Sharps have not really banged this game yet, but we'll monitor that throughout the week. I think the Rams are the right side as far as my early look goes. I think the Bengals are the right side plus the seven as far as my early look goes. But this is going to be a very interesting and tricky AFC-NFC title game weekend. Uh, I'm excited to be able to be out in Vegas to to take it all in and watch these games. But it's going to be fascinating to see what we see line movement throughout the week. Because right now you've got both games on the key numbers. You've got the Chiefs and Rand Bengals on seven. And you've got the Rams and Niners on three. The, the, the two key numbers in, in college and pro football. So will we see three and a halves? You know, with a lot of extra juice going on for the Niners. Because, you know, obviously instead of buy the half point, uh, you would get the three and a half. Uh, built into the line, or are we going to see it go the other way and go down to two and a half, and you're going to have to lay a lot of money on the Rams. Bengals, same thing. Are you going to see the Bengals get seven and a half uh, and have to pay like minus 115, minus 120? Uh, or the Chiefs, is it going to go down to six and a half, a little extra juice? Because, you know, people are going to try to buy the Chiefs down to six and a half right now, or the Bengals up to seven and a half on their own uh, before these lines move too much. And the same thing with the Rams, down to two and a half, and the Niners up to to three and a half. So very fascinating. I can't remember the last time that we had both 
title games with key numbers. I mean, we've had at least one in many different years at times either on three or on seven or right around it. But both at the same time as we're looking here on this Monday afternoon, that's uh, that's crazy pants. So that is where we're at with the AFC and NFC title games. What a week and what a day that will be leading up to it. And that is a trip to the Motown betting window brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. Coming right up, I got some thoughts on the Matthew Stafford haters. We will rake the top five best playoff games of all time. We'll see where Bills and Chiefs from yesterday sits on my list and why the overtime rules simply need to be changed. That's all coming up right here on the Detroit CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21. Playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 270 7117. So it's it's no secret that here in, in Detroit, I know that many of you listen and, and consume this show in other areas of the country and the world. I know we got people in Australia listening that I get messages from and people in Israel and, and all around the place. So I appreciate that. But, you know, the majority of our audience is in Detroit. And that's why it's called the Detroit CityCast. And that's why I love hosting it for you. And it's no secret that the Matt Stafford situation here in Detroit, whether he was, you know, when he was here and now that he's gone, uh, has been extremely divisive. A great friend of mine, a, a longtime Detroit media member that I've worked with in many different situations, Jeff Rieger, kind of has hitched his wagon to the anti-Stafford crowd, which is, by the way, getting smaller by the minute. Uh, there are uh, some people like me that have always been a very pro-Stafford person and said that he was the least of the Lions' problems here in Detroit. Were there times he had bad games? Of course. I, I did a post-game show for one of them with my man Dennis Fithian at Ford Field when Stafford got benched in that Arizona game about four or five years ago. You know, he had bad games at times. All quarterbacks do. Aaron Rodgers, Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you know, Patty Mahomes. There's a, some of the best of all time have always had bad games. But Matthew Stafford was not the issue here in Detroit. It was the general managers building bad teams. It was not having the right the players here, not having a running game, bad offensive lines, bad defenses when Stafford and the offense were great, like they were in the year they went to the playoffs against the Saints, uh, even against Dallas. The defense was awful. And, you know, that year the Lions played New Orleans in the playoffs. Uh, and they had, you know, some quasi-historic numbers on offense with Calvin Johnson and Stafford and, and just the way that, that you know, that, that offense could score in any situation and score in bunches. If they had had a reasonable defense, like a middle-ranked defense, the Lions could have won the Super Bowl that year. So you're going to say that it's Stafford's fault that they couldn't win that playoff game because they, what, they score in the 40s? But, uh, you know, it could, but it could stop the Saints? So it's always been something that I've discussed, and I was lucky and grateful to be on the night the Stafford trade happened. And I talked about how grateful I was to be able to cover that guy and be a fan of the Lions and see his blood, sweat, and tears day in and day out, but also that I knew it was the right move. I knew it was time to move on. Brad Holmes comes in, you know, lays the land and says, listen, I'm the new GM of this team. People thought, is he going to be able to make a big move in his first couple years? He made a big move in his first couple months and traded the franchise quarterback. And while it hurt, and you got to be careful what you wish for, and I said that for years on the radio on the Lions flagship, 97-1, it was time to move on from Stafford and rebuild the Detroit Lions. But now there are still people out there, and I mentioned one of them, 
and people here in the media in Detroit and fans that are not giving this guy any credit whatsoever. That are still saying he's not good, that, you know, teams win in spite of him. And you really, I mean, at this point, those are all going out the window. There's just pure haters out there that don't want to see an ex-Detroit player, even if they love them dearly when they were here. And this isn't the way most of you are, just some of you. They don't want to see a player like that succeed. How could you not have been happy for Justin Verlander when he won the World Series with the Astros? I, I get it. I'm a Tigers fan. Yeah, I was seven when they won the World Series. So I was alive when they won one. But I was there in 2012. I was there in 20, you know, in 16. I know, or 2006 and 2012. I know how much it hurts to not be able to get the job done. That team in 2013, Max Scherzer still says it was the best team he was ever on. That, that Tigers team in that decade, you know, of contention should have won the World Series. They did it. It wasn't because Justin Verlander wasn't good. Yeah, he had some moments early on in the World Series, but that was phenomenal at the end. It was phenomenal in the ALCS and the Division Series, you know, against the A's and the Yankees and all the things he did for the Tigers and worked, worked his ass off and, and gave every ounce of himself. Why would you not be happy for him if he was playing the Tigers? That's one thing. The Tigers didn't make the playoffs that year. Why would you not be happy for JV after what he gave here in Detroit? Why would you not be happy for Matthew Stafford after what he gave here in Detroit? He gave everything. Line season's over. Middle of January, snowstorms. Other teams in the playoffs. Stafford's at Allen Park practicing, throwing routes to wide receivers, working out, looking at film. The guy did everything he could. He didn't have the right teams around him. He definitely made his own mistakes at times, but he was the least overall of the Lions problems for basically 95% of the time he was here. And yet there's still people that want to, you know, take away what he's able to do on the field, make throws at maybe one or two at times, none of the other quarterbacks can make. He was great yesterday in the in the win. They almost collapsed by fumbles, not his fault, uh, you know, against the, the Bucs and Tom Brady and maybe setting Brady into retirement. He was great last week against the Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals were t- terrible and shot themselves in the foot over and over again. Kyler Murray was garbage, but Stafford was really good. And now he's got a chance at home to play a divisional opponent beat them, and go to the Super Bowl and play at home in the Super Bowl in his first year with the Rams. And yet, the one thing it does do, if you're a Lions fan like myself and so many of you out there, a diehard Lions fan that will never change his allegiance, is it it makes you realize just how much the Lions ran their organization badly. And I've always been someone that has tried to err on the side of understanding that, yes, it is just tough at times to, to put the right pieces together. It's not like the Lions are the only team that, that have had bad drafts and have had bad coaches and GMs, etc. But yeah, this makes the Lions look pretty bad that in the first season that Stafford leaves after 13 here in Detroit, not only does he win his first playoff game, he's already won two and he's a favorite to get to the Super Bowl. And depending on who he plays in the Super Bowl, he might be a favorite to win the Super Bowl if it's the Bengals versus Stafford. So... If you're a real Lions fan, and I said this a lot on Twitter, you can follow me and interact with me on Twitter all the time. We love it at DanLeach971. It was not many of you, but it was some of you that were being ridiculous and that were saying, you know, taking away from what Stafford was doing, but also saying, you know, that, you know, Stafford was a bum and why would I be happy for him? I'm a Lions fan. Well, yeah, the Lions aren't in the postseason. They're in a full rebuild. And why would you not be happy for a guy that gave everything for your team for almost 15 years? I think it's silly. I think it's just being a bad sports fan. I couldn't be happier for Stafford. And those of you out there that are still hating on him, saying he's not a good quarterback, he is. 
And and the league knows it. They knew it when he got traded there. People that cover the league in and out, you know, that know much more about football than me. And definitely uh, all of you out there. They've always known Stafford was an edge of elite type quarterback. Is he Aaron Rodgers or Brady or Roethlisberger or Wilson or Mahomes or some others? No, he doesn't need to be. He doesn't, he's not one of the greatest of all time. He's actually got some numbers that are up there with the greatest of all time. But he's one of the best quarterbacks of the last 30 years. And now he might get a chance to get that Super Bowl in his first season. And if he gets that, Stafford's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's close anyway. But we know how it is. If you don't win a Super Bowl, sometimes it keeps you out. But I think if Stafford even gets to the Super Bowl, he's playing at the rate he's playing at. He's, he's already going to be in the Hall of Fame. That's how good he is. He's got a ton of records too. So the Staffordators got to just kind of calm themselves down. Uh, I, I want to get into my top five uh, best playoff games of all time. Before we do that though, and I said this the second they changed the rule, and of course I said this in the Super Bowl with the Falcons and the, and the Patriots. I understand if you want to do this in the regular season. I think it's still stupid, but I understand if you want to do it. There is no way in God's green earth that you can have the overtime current rules in the playoffs and allow a team to get the ball and go down and score a touchdown and not allow the other team to answer that. As I said, in the regular season, if you want to keep it down, because they've obviously lowered it from 15 minutes to 10 minutes, and you know, if you don't know the rules by now, I'll explain them to you, but I would hope you know them if you're an NFL fan. You know, let's say it's it's like yesterday, the Bills and the Chiefs. Chiefs get the ball, they go down and kick a field goal. Bills would get the ball next, they have a chance to kick the field goal and tie and extend it, or score a touchdown and it's over. But, like yesterday, if the Chiefs win the toss, get the ball, go down the field, score a touchdown, like the Patriots did in the Super Bowl against Atlanta after that 28-3 collapse. By the way, yesterday it was Brady, 27-3, it almost came back. But, if they score that touchdown, it's over. If it's the playoffs, and obviously in the regular season there can be ties, in the postseason, let's say no one scored for 30 minutes. There's multiple periods. If you can do that, you've got to allow the team that, if a team scores a touchdown first, you've got to allow that other team a chance to answer. Now, if both teams get the ball and neither team scores and you want to do next score wins like it is, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But if you give a team the ball and on that first drive, they score a touchdown, and you don't give the other team a chance to answer, I, I think it's just stupid. And I think that I am not in the minority anymore. I think I might have been a couple years ago. Uh, I, I can't believe how I would have been after the Super Bowl when I went nuts about it on air for days after the Patriots beat the Falcons. Yes, I had the Falcons uh, with some big bets, one of the rare Super Bowls I had lost in the last 20 years against the spread, but it doesn't matter. It's not even about that. It's about just fairness. You work your ass off all year to get a chance to win a, a playoff game or a Super Bowl or whatever it is, and if you lose the coin toss, your advantage goes way down. That's why they changed the overtime rules in the first place where they are now. But in the playoffs, it can't be this way. You've got to let the team that doesn't score the touchdown on that first drive have one chance to answer. And I think that they're going to change the rule. I, I really, I sure that damn well hope so. Because they don't, it's just stupid. But that being said, we saw, if not the greatest playoff game yesterday, and some of you might think it is, one of the greatest playoff games in the history of football, one of the greatest games in the history of football. We obviously know that football games or playoff games mean just that much more. So I've come up with Dan Leach's DTM's top five playoff games of all time, and the Bills are going to make this list twice. 
unfortunately, for the wrong reasons. And I also will say, honorable mention, though, here's the Bills for the right reasons. The game against the Oilers, biggest comeback uh, of all time in playoff history. That's your honorable mention. But we'll start with number five, and it is the Bills and the Giants in Super Bowl 25. One of the great Super Bowls of all time. It was the closest ever. Uh, obviously, we got to an overtime game, and this was the closest ever when it came down to who won the game. Whitney Houston's emotional uh, rendition of the National Anthem. And then, of course, it came down to Scott Norwood missing a game-winning field goal attempt down 12-3 in the first half. The Giants got back in the game. They controlled it with the, the, you know, the time possession for a Super Bowl record 40 minutes and 19 seconds. And then despite barely having the ball, the Bills were in position to win that game with just eight seconds left. Thurman Thomas ran for 190 total yards in that game, but it's going to be known forever for that Scott Norwood miss. Remember the Bills... Four straight Super Bowls. Couldn't win one of them. What a star-crossed fan base. Man, our fan base here in Detroit with the Lions, they've never even been to a Super Bowl. How about the Bills going to four straight, not winning one? And then what happened yesterday against the Chiefs? Oh, boy. So that is number five, Bills-Giants, 20-19, Super Bowl 25. Number four, as I mentioned, there's there's a game on here that was a little, you know, it's, it's not, I was alive, but I've just seen this game so many different times that I definitely know that it's in the top five. Uh, and for me, it's that 1981 AFC Divisional. This was actually for a long time uh, by a lot of stories considered the greatest playoff game of all time. 81 AFC Divisional, Chargers and Dolphins, overtime thriller. Dan Fouts and the Super Chargers, the Charger power offense, went up 24 to nothing before Miami took a 38 to 31 lead on just a bunch of insane plays. If you get a chance, watch this game on YouTube. It is unbelievable. They show it a lot on NFL Network and other places as well. Um, but then there was this like, crazy hook and lateral play that uh, I know that they scored on, uh, Miami scored on right before halftime. And then late in regulation, the Chargers tied it when Fouts uh, overthrew a pass for the legendary tight end, Kellen Winslow. It was instead caught by running back, James Brooks. Look what I found in the end zone. Uh, and then Winslow, he needed to be carried off the, the field after the game ended. Uh, they forced overtime when he blocked the Dolphins' game-winning field goal attempt at the end of regulation. And his clutch catches an overtime setup, uh, 29-yard field goal. That was just an insane game. I, it kind of feels like that was what maybe watching that game, kind of what yesterday's Bills Chiefs game was like. If you're watching, you know, I'm sure people that were a little older that remember that game in 81, maybe had a very similar feeling about Bill's Chiefs yesterday. We'll get to where that is on the list in a second. That's number four for me, the 81 AFC Divisional Round. Chargers and Dolphins, 41-38. Chargers in overtime. Number three, Patriots-Giants, or excuse me, Patriots-Seahawks in Super Bowl 49. One of the great, I know a lot of people have this ranked as the greatest Super Bowl of all time. Uh, but, you know, just the, the magic of Tom Brady. They had not won the Super Bowl in 10 years. Patriots overcame a 10-point deficit with two terrific Tom touchdowns uh, passes later in the game. And then Seattle, though, appeared to be on their way to a second straight title when Russell Wilson got Jermaine Curse on that 33-yard incredible completion late in the game. One yard away from the game-winning score, Seattle decides to throw the ball instead of giving it to Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch. And the Butler did it. Malcolm Butler, the undrafted rookie, 
picks it off, and the Patriots hold on. That was, I was watching that at a big party. I don't know if I've ever seen a, uh, a louder amount of people. There was, I think, 30 of us there watching a game. Outside of a stadium, obviously. When you're, there's, you know, thousands. It was insanity. I'll never forget that. So that's number three for me. Number two was yesterday. And I almost made it number one. You'll see why I didn't make it number one in a second. But yesterday was... It was easily one of the greatest games ever. 25 points in the final two minutes of regulation. 78 points in all of this game. Three lead changes in the final two minutes. Mahomes with 13 seconds left. Getting the job done to tie the game. How about Gabriel Davis? Four touchdown catches. Just when you thought the Chiefs were out of it, Mahomes got it done. When you thought the Bills were out of it, Allen got it done. Allen extending plays. Mahomes extending plays. It was unbelievable. And then, of course, as I said, I think the overtime rule in the playoffs is absolutely stupid. But, listen, got to give... Got to give credit where credit is due to Mahomes and the Chiefs, especially the, the fact that they were 13 seconds, which was one second less than that Dak Prescott run that ended the season for the Cowboys. How about that? And how about Allen and Mahomes? They led their teams in rushing. Allen with 68, Mahomes with 69. Huge runs all day. That was just an absolutely epic game. That's number two all time for me. And then number one, and I'm sure a lot of you will agree with this, this was just vintage NFL, vintage San Francisco, Joe Montana, who forever was the greatest quarterback of all time until Brady took that battle a few years ago. The 81 NFC title game. Cowboys and Niners. Montana and the the Niners down uh, 27-21. 89-yard drive. And the game-winning touchdown pass to Dwight Clark. We know it lives in infamy or fami as the catch that was San Fran's first Super Bowl berth, and it kind of ended Tom Landry and the Cowboys' powerhouse era of being the you know the kings in the NFL. Led to the Niners and their multiple titles. Uh, and I got to tell you, that was the, the the catch itself was just incredible. But that whole drive, Montana did it multiple times. Did it again with the Bengals in Super Bowl twenty that was here uh, in Detroit. So that was just to me the absolute greatest playoff game of all time. To see that happen the way it did in the final play, you know, that just to have the catch. And by the way, there was a great uh, quote from the great Ed Tutal Jones, one of the great pass rushers. He talked to Montana, because uh, he was one of the defenders who actually put pressure on Montana during that, that play. And Jones said this to Joe. He said, you just beat America's team. And then Montana replied, well, you can sit on your ass with the rest of America and watch the Super Bowl. It just doesn't get any better. Uh, so there it is for me, my top five best playoff games of all time. Uh, Bills and Giants, Super Bowl 25 is number five. The 81 AFC Divisional uh, playoff game with the Chargers and Dolphins went to overtime number four with the Chargers uh, winning that one 41-38. Patriots-Seahawks, Super Bowl 49. Patriots hanging on with that Malcolm Butler interception. Chargers-Bills, yesterday, number two. That, that game is just, I mean, everything. It was everything. And then number one, that AFC or 81 NFC title game, San Fran over the Cowboys, the changing of the guard, Montana, you know, introducing himself as one of the great quarterbacks ever and then the greatest quarterback ever for a while until Tom Brady took the battle. Those are my top five best playoff games of all time. And there's so many we didn't even get to. Uh, but I, I still will tell you whether it's number one or two or three, 
yesterday's Bills Chiefs game, I think, will always be in the top three best playoff games of all time. Now, you would, some of you might say, well, the best games have got to all be Super Bowls. No, of course not. Yeah, the Super Bowl is to win the title, but there's been so many great games like yesterday's game that wasn't to win a title, but maybe if the Chiefs go on to win it or if the Bills had won that and go on to win it, it just shows you how incredible and how important that game was. So yeah, it doesn't have to be a Super Bowl to be in the top five. We did have a couple in the top five as well. All right, before we get out of here, I want to get to my Australian Open play of the day. Remember, I gave you before the tournament, Sitsipas, Stefano Sitsipas, the Grecian, the Grecian Earn. What's a Grecian Earn? Well, about $5 an hour. Uh, it's my dad's old joke. But I still have him at 16-1, to 1 and his odds have gone down a little bit. He has a very tough match tonight, though. He's playing the young Italian, the top uh, 10 Italian, Yannick Sinner. I am taking Sitsi Pass, and not just because I have him, uh, you know, with some futures odds, but I love the value here. I was looking at all the different men's matches in the quarters, and you've got Sitsi Pass plus 123 uh, coming up uh, in his quarterfinal match against Yannick Sinner. So I love Sitsi Pass. Plus 123. But then on the women's side, the women's side, we've got great stuff going on for the Americans on the women's side right now. Three women of the eight in the quarterfinals, Madison Keys, Jessica Pagula, uh, and Danielle Collins. I'm looking at Danielle Collins right now as almost a three-to-one favorite over Alizé Cornet, who was incredible yesterday in her win over Simona Halep. First time that in, in 63 tries in majors that uh, Alizé Cornet has made it to the quarterfinals, which just so so much emotion. And she was a leader, interviewed by Elena Dokic, who had retired, and she was supposed to play her in that match years ago that she was uh, tried for her first time to get to the Aussie Open uh, quarters and, and lost it uh, to Safin and, and somehow, or Safina, excuse me, um, at Rat Safin's sister, and then never got back. But I like, as far as the women go, I like a two-team parlay, because you have you, you got Sweet Tech, Almost five minus four five hundred dollars. I'm not going to touch that. I would love to say I like Madison Keys. I think she's going to go down though in the quarters to Kragavanka. And I'm looking at Daniel Collins and I'm looking at Ashley Barty in a two team parlay. You have to lay one ninety five, but to me, Barty ain't losing. Barty is going to get by. Uh, I love Jessica Bagula, but she's going to get by her the number one player in the world, uh, Ashley Barty. Daniel Collins, you know the money line goes down for you there minus one ninety five. Uh, so that's that's the play I like with the, the quarters for the women. I mean, I, Madison Keys, there's just not enough value getting her a plus 106 against a top five player in the world. And I'm not laying the 480 uh, with Sweet Tech against Kanepi, who could beat her. I think that, that Daniel Collins is getting by. Like the emotion of Alizé Cornet is going to catch up to her. And Barty, as much as I love Jessica Pagula, I think she's going to be way too much, especially in Australia. So that's my, my parlay, my two-leg parlay. Uh, with Ashley Barty and Daniel Collins. And then, of course, Sitsi Pass. I like him as well uh, for his match against Yannick Sinner, getting some value at plus 123. So there's your Australian Open players plays of the day. And that's going to do it for us today on the Manic Money edition of the Detroit City. Guys, feel free to weigh in on, on your all-time favorite, what you think the best playoff game of all time was, on my Twitter, at DanLeach971. We'll continue to monitor the lines here for the AFC and NFC title games. As I mentioned, I'll be in Vegas this weekend, get you the full flavor of that, get some shows doing uh, out there as well from the land in the desert. Until next time, though, keep reaching for the stars, believe in the dream. Dan Leach, the Squatch, out. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. 
Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.